Sean is a fresh of breath air. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank it's, you for that. Stitching, you that, got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a problem. It builds a problem. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 126 of the Way Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated Buffalo sports podcast covering the Bills, the Sabres, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter at WittySports716 right now. Stop listening. Press pause. Go to your computer, phone, whatever, Twitter, at WittySports716. And make sure you check out everything Built in Buffalo is giving you every single day. The best Bills content out there at Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, what's going on tonight? Bruce Nolan's on the show. Bruce Nolan. Bruce, 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 Bruce Nolan's on the show. Buffalo rocks. Matt, what's up? Is that a Bill Nye theme song? Uh, Yeah, that's what we were doing there. I like it. Bruce, 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 Bruce. Kudos to Bill Nye for staying relevant well past his heyday. He's True. a national treasure. He, he really is. And to be meaningful to so many generations is astounding. And I mean, it, it really I, I have no, as someone who's not a scientist, I have no criticisms of the man. He <laughs> seems to be legit. He is a legit Others scientist. would probably disagree. When the pandemic started and like, there's whole like, are masks effective? What are they? I, I went to Bill Nye. To explain to me how they are, and I listened to him just carrying it from my childhood, like watching his show on Saturday mornings, going to him for any kind of science esque knowledge I need to attain at that moment. Bill Nye is my primary care physician. Yes, he's my emergency contact. <laughs> he is my emergency contact as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because and why? Why shouldn't he, he be? Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Tony, I do have to mention one thing. Moving away from Bill Nye, as tough as it is, I I think this is going to hit home with you, literally, because it is your home. The Amherst, the PGA Championship, Bill's (laughs) training camp in two months. It only took 206 years, but is Rochester having its first moment? (laughs) I would argue that it depends on how you define moment. (laughs) Now, one would argue that... Well, that's what I was going to say. I would argue that leading the women's rights movement, I would argue that the work for Frederick Douglass, well, well put it on the map, but many would not argue. Many would say that there's only one way to get on the map and it's sports and is <laughs> ousting Toronto and making it into the Eastern Conference finals of the AHL enough to get it on the map. I don't know. Is it doing that simultaneously as the Goodyear blimp is literally visible from my house throughout the day right now. Wow. Maybe it is. Maybe that's enough. Is it that we're doing this as, and I know that, and this is only for the Rochester listeners that'll, that are going to, that are shouting into their car radios right now, asking me to say this. Is it enough that this is happening while the lilacs are at peak bloom? 
That helps. It's a moment. It only greases the wheels. That that happens. That peak boom hits, but once a year. Love and those now, lilacs. of course, we celebrate the lilac festival right now. Going on simultaneously the PGA. My parents went to the lilac festival today, and then went to Henrietta afterwards. As I was in Henrietta, getting my getting my uh, windshield fixed from an errant foul softball. Oh wow! Um, (laughs) Big week for Tony. I feel like something else is. Yeah, I know. I feel like something else is happening. Uh, The Amex. I'm having a garage sale soon. Is that something? Depends (laughs) what you're selling. I guess I guess I feel like there's no middle ground with garage sales. Tell me if there's a middle ground with garage sales. You either go to one and you're like, this is the greatest. I'm finding all this stuff, real treasures, or you think it's just the biggest bunch of crap. There's no middle ground. No, I I think see to me, my garage sale experience as a shopper is if I find one item I'm remotely interested in in 150 garage sales that's a win that's a success that's a success because most garage sales like the vast majority of garage sales i go to i'm saying this stuff was just in your house like this was maintaining its life in your in a home this is not something i would ever think is still in a house in 2023 but it is so is it, yeah so like is, yeah and i found it so is there a middle ground i don't even know if there i think middle ground is the high ground Okay. I like that take. Except for my garage sale. My garage sale is great. Everyone should come to my garage sale. Yes. Listeners, go to Tony's garage. It is going to well, be chock full of wonderful items to be had. They're just looking for a better home. <laughs> they are. Like, this is like an adopt a pet thing. <laughs> I was going to say it's a Toy Story 3 situation. Yes. They will, they, like, you could save a life <laughs> if you come to the garage sale. <laughs> Tony, we have a big episode for listeners. Later on, we welcome back to the program one mr bruce nolan from the bruce exclusive podcast on buffalo rumblings one of my favorite podcasts one of my favorite bills content people out there bruce always bringing a wealth of knowledge different takes about the bill so we're happy to have him back on but first tony speaking of rochester staples Another Rochester staple is, of course, the garbage plate, a monstrosity of a concoction unlike any other. But I thought because Rochester's having its moment, therefore garbage plates are having their moment. Our guest this episode is a big food guy, as listeners of his program know. I thought for this week's draft season, hashtag draft SZN, we would do the best tailgate foods and maybe garbage plate is on there. Our top three snake draft style best tailgate food or drinks we'll throw drinks in there too we'll expand our horizons food or drinks tony you won the coin flip you have honors this week what is your number one pick for the best tailgate food or drink can i tell you before i make my selection i'm going to go to the podium and and really milk this thing just like people do with the real draft because i just looked up rochester events to see if there's anything else that contributes to the moment and In a matter of 24 hours from right now, from this record, I did not know this until this moment. Playing in Rochester will be Soldier Boy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that was wow. my that was my brain Is he selling fake too. Game Boys too. <laughs> that was my same reaction. Was oh my god! Wow. Somebody tells me an act like that is is performing, and all I can think about, like for Soldier Boy, for example, is. Does he just play crank that for like an hour straight? I think <laughs> these acts literally are one hit wonders. 
people just yeah, go like, to hear that one song. So do they, you know, make their ticket worthwhile? And does the artist just play that one song for an hour? Or does he play all these other songs that nobody knows or nobody cares about? That's my biggest I question. Think, with those I think in certain circles, he does have a lot more songs than than we know about and are what willing circles? to. I don't know. Soldier Boy fans, Soldier Circles. Soldiers, you know the soldier circle. Soldiers, soldiers. Soldiers, soldiers. If that's not the name of the club, like that is a travesty. It's a travesty. Yeah, if it's yeah, not, yeah, if it's absolutely. not called soldier soldiers, Rochester man, having a moment. Rochester should play the lottery right now. You should go buy lottery tickets. They should be dropping Rochester's lottery just... tickets from the Goodyear blimp. Oh my god! Go in my fucking house. I've just been fascinated. <laughs> by that. Like I, like I, I went to, I went to the PGA on Monday. Nothing has me spinning, but just the constant visibility of the Goodyear blimp. It's like I it, like, like for this some beautiful reason, golf like course, these top golfers with it. But the Goodyear blip is what I came to see. Yeah, like I am because it's well, because I saw the top golfers, but like that that was a fleeting moment. Like this is constant. I don't know. Like ever like I'm just constantly where it, it's constantly where my head is when I'm outside. It's just you're the guy thing, it's you, just thing the, you're the, the guy that goes blank. to the Bills games and sees the uh the paratroopers coming down during the anthem and like, all right, I'm good. I can leave. <laughs> yeah, he made it. That was beautiful. He he landed. He did he did a little run and trip at the end, but he made it. God damn it. Mm -hmm. I'm satisfied. Good, good game. All right, I'll make my pick. Next Sunday. Yeah. See you next Sunday. (laughs) All right. Well, see you next Sunday. Your number one draft pick, Tony. All right. My number one draft pick. Pizza logs is what I'm taking. I there I like it. Wait, original pizza logs or fake ones? I know. Obviously, you have to get get original if you're if you're coming correct. Am I putting am I Wegman's <laughs> hot sauce on my wings too? Or am I using Frank's? Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Yes. Original pizza logs. And the reason that I am so like into it is a, it is our own because even wings, like wings are our own, but wings are ubiquitous worldwide. But pizza logs right. is like, truly, you know, your home with pizza logs. Nothing says you're at a home tailgate like when the pizza logs come out and there's so many great ways to prepare them. I love them on the grill and then dipping them yes. in some marinara or just some regular spaghetti sauce or pizza sauce some regular pizza sauce. Can't go wrong with the pizza log, but with so many of these other foods, you can go wrong. There are bad. Well, I don't want to say picks, but there are bad hmm, of most things you could say, but there's, you can't go wrong with an original pizza log. It's always you know such a treat and it's, you can feel special about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great first pick. I feel like that's like the first pick that maybe isn't the consensus, but once you make it, you're like, yeah, that was a really good pick. The one thing mm-hmm. I love about the pizza log more than anything, you get the taste of the pizza. You get all the makings of the pizza. You get cheese, pepperoni, crust. It's in a nice, cleanly package, though. Mm-hmm. You don't have the cheese dripping off the side, you got portability, you got mobility, which is key at a tailgate. Mm-hmm. It's just in a nice log form and bite into it. And you don't have cheese dripping off the side. You don't have a ton of grease falling out of that cup and char pepperoni. Like it's just nice and clean and mobile. And it's just, it's a great tailgate food. It, it's you. Can, it's like a cigar. You can just like be on yeah. the move with it. And it's so delicious. And it's delicious at a lot of temperatures too, which helps, really I think. Mm-hmm. It really is. Good, good number one pick. Tony, my number one pick. Oh, I got a couple options here on my big board. I have to go with this is this is just a classic for me because it doesn't take a lot of preparation or anything. The Wegman sub. Mm-hmm. You go Which, get a nice yeah. large Wegman sub. It's 
made for you right there. You don't have to bring all the, it's just nicely packaged. You just whip it out and start eating it. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's just convenient. Only if there's a Kiko get... Alonso jersey on the line. <laughs> oh, hey, oh, I was waiting for you oh, to drop it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Wegman sub, it tastes delicious. It, it comes nicely packaged. Again, it's, it's clean. You get a lot of essential food groups. You get meat, you get bread, you get cheese. And it, it prepares you well for a three-hour football game and maybe another three hours of tailgating beyond eating the sub. Because <laughs> you can have the sub at 8 in the morning. You can have the sub at 11.30, right before pregame and right before game. Like, the sub is really the end. And it's going to keep. Like, it's so oh, yes. awesome when you you get back to the car or your yes, vehicle after a long game and you're just, like, exhausted. Great I'm point. like, oh, my gosh, I need, I need food and all the water. And then you see it's yes. like, oh, my God, I have some <laughs> sub left. I need this all the water. Exactly, yeah. And I need all the water. And I'm so glad that I have a Danny's original locked and loaded ready for me. <laughs> yes, that is a great point. So my number one pick, the Wegman sub. Tony, your number two pick. With this, my second round pick, I want to select something that you will find at a tailgate. But depending on the clientele at the tailgate, you may find it. Basically, what I'm saying is I feel like this is something that like a wild card at the tailgate will bring. But they're consistently enough at tailgates that you're like, Oh, yeah, this is cool that this is here. I'm going with the rye dip in the rye bread bowl. Not a fan. I'm not with you on this Wow. Okay. Yeah. You'll find throughout this draft, I'm rolling with things that I'm like, okay, like there's certain foods here. There's certain proteins here that you would put on the grill. It's like, all right, yeah, like I would expect that to be here. So I'm not, it's not moving the needle for me. It's not making me more or less excited but I'm drafting the things that I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool that this is here this time around. And that's one of the things. That's one of the food items that if that finds its way onto the table, I'm going to be kind of excited about it. And I'm going to be kind of like maybe having way too much of it and eating way too much of it until I feel sick and have to have Wegman sub at the end of this thing to balance out my body. And uh, the right of is one of it. There's something satisfying about, you know, taking a piece off the bowl putting in the dip, enjoying a nice, cool, caraway-seeded dip. Mm, sign me up. Yeah. See, nothing about this I like. I don't like the dip. I don't even know what it is. It, do you just go typical like bison French onion dip? No, that's not what it, it is. It's a, it's a yeah, rye Yeah, no, dip. I like, know that's not what it is. That's what it should be, though. That's silly. No, that's a chip dip. <laughs> You're not dipping chips in it. Yeah, but... This is yeah, a bread could... dip. This is a rye dip. See, my condiments, my sauces, my dips, they traverse whatever food silo they're in. Like the chip dip is not just for chips to me. It can mm. be for anything. It could be for crackers. It could be for bread. I'm upping my variations on this stuff. I just don't like the taste of it. I don't like rye bread. I don't like whatever you dip it in. Well, yeah, if you don't, don't like rye it bread, it's like you're not sour like cream that. and dill and whatever. I don't even know what it is. It's the, it's gross. Tony, I think this is the dip round. Because for my second okay. pick, I'm going with chicken wing dip. All right. And I'm fair. going with I'm going with a hot take of I kind of like chicken wing dip better than chicken wings. Okay, that's a very hot take. That's a psychotically hot take. <laughs> that take is hotter it than is the wing. Hot take. I love chicken wing dip. If there is a tailgate of let's say 12 to 15 people, and you're supposed to evenly distribute that chicken wing dip between those people, not on my watch. I'm eating at least 70% of that dip by myself. I love chicken wing dip. It's my number two pick. Wow. Yeah, I'm all over that. I usually have too much of the dip. Now, let me ask you this. What is your ideal vehicle 
of a chicken wing dip. It's a majority of the time a tortilla chip, but not the Tostitos dips. Those are okay. falsity. They have no flatness to them. You can't scrape up the bottom of the bowl with the cupped chip, whatever you want to describe it as. Just do a normal tortilla triangular or circular chip. That is the way to go. But again, like I mentioned previously with the dips, I like my dips to cover a lot of ground. I can eat it with crackers. I can eat it with bread. I, I can dip a lot of things in chicken wing dip. I can dip a pizza log in chicken wing dip. It tastes yeah. awesome. I've done that. I've done that. Oh. And I like it. You haven't lived it. You haven't done it. Oh, yeah, I know. I disagree with you. Here's my thing. Now, I like chicken wing dip a lot, but I do not think that tortilla chip is the appropriate vehicle for chicken wing dip. What do you think is? I think is I think it's the appropriate vehicle for a taco dip. And I think that chicken wing okay, dip yeah. is just, people who do that are Agreed. trying to make it taco dip chicken wing <laughs> style, buffalo style. No, yep. I, I think that a plain Triscuit is the Ooh, ideal I like that. vehicle for a chicken wing dip. That is what that is what should be the societal norm of when you're if you're bringing chicken wing dip, then it should be ex- your expected vehicle for it should be plain triscuits. That's my belief. That's where I'm at. I I won't disagree with that. I, I love triscuits. I love chicken uh, wing dip. I love the combination of them. I think that's a no? that's a perfectly fine vehicle. That's I'm maybe that's the Ford focus of crackers. It's oh, not going to wow you, but it's a perfectly fine vehicle. It is. <laughs> yes, it is a perfectly um, fine vehicle. Listeners, I'll give you a quick tip. Uh, if you make your own chicken wing dip, use real chicken. Don't use the canned chicken. Don't use any fake processed chicken. Get real chicken breasts. Slice those babies up. Put them in the dip. Put it in the stove. Taste a million times better with real chicken breasts. Not the canned stuff. Tony, your third and final pick. All right. So I'm approaching my third pick as though I'm like in a draft, as though I'm building a team. I'm, so I'm taking into consideration what I already have. I, I have a substantial, I guess you could call it a protein source because of the pepperoni. But I, you know, it's warm. I think that's like a substantial, like that's what's being served. I have the dip, the side, the carb on the side now, but that's like kind of a, Kind of like, I guess it's like a sweeter thing, like it's a dip, but now I, what I think I need is a salty. You know, I, I think what, if I'm building this up, I need to satisfy those taste buds. For that, I'm going to bring in Pub Mix. Pub Mix is a great addition to the tailgate in the sense that it has a lot of variety. Yep. It's portable. You can choose in the moment your own variety. Do I want a bagel chip? Do I want a pretzel? Well, good news. I have them both right here. So I don't even have to have any logistical plans surrounding it. They're just in my lap already. So now I can enjoy everything that God's creation has to offer in a setting with my friends and family at the Bills game as though I'm at the pub with my mix, pub mix. Our group is huge fans of the pub mix. It is. It's kind of a niche thing, I think, maybe. Like you don't see a lot of tailgates outside of the tailgate that you and me go to. Or, or that have a chant for pub mix. Like you, That's also does. a good point. Uh, also a fair point. Is the pub mix on the, the power rankings in your draft, on your draft big board because of the chant? No, not exclusively okay. because of the chant. Okay. But it right. doesn't, I mean, it doesn't Just hurt. The chant, yeah, the chant does the not chant hurt. doesn't hurt. Good choice. Pub mix is great. I'm a person, as people know, who loves options. And if all those options are given to me in one nice convenient 
scoop of the hand, that's the golden ticket right there. You can't get any better than that. Pub mix. Tony the Mai. Uh-huh. Yeah. If there's a Willy Wonka, but instead of candy, he did pub mix. That'd be amazing. Oh, man. That'd be an incredible movie. Yeah, uh, Tony Mai. The first one in line at that theater. Absolutely. Instead of a Chaco River, it's just a creek of garbage. I mean, that's that could not, really that's be a, not movie a movie script. Yeah, it doesn't have to be because it is real life. <laughs> I mean, that's, like that happens. Bill's tailgate slash Willy Wonka mashup. Yeah, and I know just the person to do it, Billy Bonka. Billy Bonka himself. We already Billy have Bonka our star. Himself. Get get that guy attached, and we are on our way. Tony, my third and final pick. I'm eating a lot of salty things. I'm eating pub mix. I'm eating pizza logs. I mean, things that have me parched. I need I need some liquid. I need something to hydrate me. And most people go with beer. Typical beer, cheap beer at a tailgate. Let's go hand in hand. Those are one of the great combos in life, like Mario and Luigi, peanut butter and jelly, tailgates and beer right up there. But Tony, I'm pivoting a little here. Maybe this is a draft pick that some people have like a seventh round grade on, but I'm going Raiders with it. I'm bumping it up to my third round. Maybe there's not a draft profile. Maybe a lot of people don't have information. I'm going Jungle Juice. Oh my gosh. Okay. When was the last time you had Jungle Juice at a tailgate? Uh, Last year. Really? No, I'm kidding. I was going to say. When it is available, it's delicious. It's completely sanitary, first of all. Throwing all the fruit from people touching that fruit into a cooler which probably hasn't been washed. You want to build your immune system? Take one swing of juggle juice. That immune system is boosted. Throwing all the fruit in the cooler, the vodka, whatever, mixing it all together. You get something that it's not heavy like beer. It's not hopsy like beer. It's fresh. It's fruity. It's refreshing. It's delicious. It's jungle juice. I like jungle juice. Now, I do too. Let me ask you this. Is, did you ever hear at Ohio State now, this is my theory that every college thinks they invented jungle juice. <laughs> Did you ever hear like, oh, that, yeah, jungle juice is invented right here in Columbus? That that unfortunately was not the case in Columbus because oh. as many maybe know, our claim to fame is, and this is actually factual, this is true, Ohio State is the birthplace of Fort Loco. So we just oh. bypassed jungle juice and claiming it as our own, and we just went right to Fort Loco. That, that is fair. Man, what a claim to fame, too. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like table for loco. I think the first time I ever had for loco a very few times was actually in Columbus, too. So that's nice to know that I yeah, that's nice to know that I was like a really experiencing a part of history here by uh, by enjoying this. The birthplace. It really is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tony, so despite you scoffing at my pick, you're a fan of Jungle Juice as well. Uh, I mean, I don't think that I've had jungle juice in at least 12 years, I would say, is it, is my well, guess. Maybe you should revisit um, it. Maybe I should. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a certain me... event this summer that it should be served. <laughs> just saying. That, that would be a move right there <laughs> to have like my aunts and uncles be. Now, Tony, what is this um, bucket of red that I see in the corner? I'm just well... saying dream scenario. <laughs> me, Chad, Michael Murray, sharing, it, sharing some jungle juice. Well, and you can, uh, you know, interlock arms as though you yes. were the bride, as though you were the groom and groom, <laughs> because in many ways that is that is the marriage we yes. all wanted. You know. Yes, absolutely. I'll see you can sell. So make it happen, Tony. On it. Is the marriage even you, legitimate you... if there's not a bucket of red in the corner? I don't know. <laughs> That's how you choose wedding planners. It's like you do an interview with them, and it's just, will you approve jungle juice at my wedding? No. Okay, yeah. Will right. you? 
nope. the okay. one and only question. Get, they need to get right. You don't get the vibe. Yep, they don't get the vibe. No, you approve it absolutely. or you do not get the vibe. <laughs> uh, Jungle Juice, third round pick. Tony, any honorable mentions for you? I do have an honorable mention that I am excited to share. So this is not draftable because the value is not there in terms of overall, like what everyone would want. But what would be the number one pick for us in our home would be another dip. It is the tomb buffalo garlic dip. T-O-O-M. T-O-O-M is how you spell tomb of this brand. They exclusively, the company is they exclusively sell garlic dips. There's garlic dip, garlic basil dip, buffalo garlic dip, and one more. Maybe it's like lemon or something like that. Um, garlic. They're all incredibly delicious. But, but the buffalo garlic dip is the one that's the most probably in for it for tailgating. We like to get mm. the pretzel balls and dip them into the buffalo garlic dip. Mm. So good. Really helps us because it, it is a vegan dip. It's light. It's airy. I had it once when I hosted a Bill's viewing party uh, that we had it projected on the garage and it was gone almost instantly. And it was the buzz of the crowd was, yo, I'm about to eat like all this dip before Josh Allen is done with the first drive. Like this is <laughs> so good. And it is. So my honorable mention that in my heart is really like something that I need and we get it often is any tomb dip, but specifically the buffalo garlic dip is what I'll roll with. All right. I like that. I will counterbalance your dip with a, uh, a personal favorite dip of my own. It's from a little company who they don't have that big of an ego, but it's hell of a good and it's hell of a good jalapeno cheddar dip. Oh, Ooh. spicy. Yeah. Spicy and delicious. If you're looking for a good dip, a good alternate to the bison French onion chip dip, hell of a good jalapeno cheddar dip is incredible. That is my one honorable mention. Tony, surprisingly, none of us went with the traditional stuff, hot dogs, hamburgers, beer. Yeah. Is it, is it outplayed? Um, I don't the know. Traditional like stuff? Like I, it's kind of where my mind was. You know, I kind of explained like if I'm at a tailgate and that's there, I don't have any emotion towards it but I'm just because I'm just expecting it to be there or there's nothing special about it being there, I guess is maybe the, the way I'd phrase it. Okay. So why would I yeah. draft something I'm not excited about? You know, good point. Nothing special. It's kind of the, the status it's quo there. tailgate foods. Yeah, it's there. Okay. It's there. Tony, that is our draft this week. Best tailgate foods. Listeners, tell us what your favorite tailgate foods are. If we missed any, if we excluded any that you would put on the list, we'll put it on Twitter. Tell us your thoughts. But Tony, we have to get to our guests. We got some bills to talk about. When Let's we get back on the break, Mr. Bruce Nolan Bruce, is joining Bruce, us. Bruce, 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 Bruce. With that, we will throw it to Mr. Marv Levy. In the Marv Levy tones is the coach of Marv. Marv. Take it away. We'll be back. Go, go. Bills fight. Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Listeners, turn your brains up to 11 and get ready for the most intellectual 40 minutes this show maybe has ever produced. Well, since the last time we had our guest uh, coming up here, as we now welcome back to the pod, the president of the Wins Are Not a QB Stack fan club, the host of the Bruce exclusive podcast. I'm Buffalo Rumblings, Mr. Bruce Nolan. Bruce, welcome back to the show, my friend. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. Good to be back. And it's good that I've been branded as such. I mean, if you put that on my tombstone, you know, the FBI will definitely be able to find me. But you know what? I will be proud in death 
that I am the president <laughs> of the wins, not being a quarterback stat fan club. It took them long enough to find you. They find me after death. I mean, I think that's still a win for me, don't you? I think you own your Twitter followers like an elbow pick or something or a, an ankle pick, right? <laughs> when you hit a certain mark. Yeah, uh, we did elbow at 10,000. We're doing ankle at 20,000. Okay, all right. We'll look forward to that. We're going to major uh, league this for- crap. Yes, that sounds oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Bruce, well, welcome back on. Welcome to uh, what we call our two-time guest, uh, part of the Double Dippers Club, because we're huge Seinfeld fans, as our listeners know. So it's it's kind of like the SNL Five Timers Club. You don't get a velvet jacket. You get a uh, expired Bed Bath & Beyond coupon, which may be still be usable. So that'll be in the mail for you. So look out for that. Cool, cool, cool. I appreciate that. I'm not going to give you my address so that'll make it harder, but yeah. You know, we'll, we'll carry your pigeon it. They're smart birds. We'll find you. <laughs> Bruce, we have a lot of Bills news to talk about. A lot stemming off of the draft, off-season moves, changes in philosophy. We 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 love to bring you on the show because you bring such a unique perspective uh, to our listeners and, and to uh, Bills fans and Bills Mafia out there. So we are looking forward to discussing all the movements and, and the happenings going on at One Bills Drive. But I want to start off with the draft, of course, the Bills. Change of philosophy this year, going offensive heavy. Bruce, with these new additions, uh, a lot of talk about Ken Dorsey in his second year and, and the improvements that need to be made. First year was maybe a learning curves, a lot of bumps in the road coming from where we were with Brian Dable and, and kind of a, a an offense that was seemingly clicking on all cylinders for the most part to to the struggles we experienced with Ken Dorsey in the first year. So with these new additions, Bruce, what is your philosophy in terms of improvements you want to see from uh, the offense schematically or philosophically or physically on the field? What what are you looking for with these new additions and, and how Ken Dorsey is going to utilize these guys? The first thing is that I'd like to see more play action in the offense. Play action percentage dropped 10% Reach. from Brian Davis last year <laughs> to Ken Dorsey first year. So I'd like to see more play action involved in the offense. And the second thing for me is simply a matter of acquisition. And when you bring on a player like Dalton Kincaid, one of the things we don't talk about enough that we probably should is Stefan Diggs isn't going to be the number one option on every single play because sometimes his route's going to take him deeper and you don't want the deep route to be the number one option on every single play. That's just not healthy from a progression standpoint. But if you look at the other options that the Buffalo Bills had available to them in 2022, you think, okay, Gabriel Davis, not a player who wins early in the route, wins down the field with ball skills and size. So there's not going to be a lot of routes you're going to draw up where he's going to be the primary option. You lost Cole Beasley, so you lost that. Isaiah McKenzie is not developed well enough as a wide receiver for you to have him be the primary option on plays. And Dawson Knox isn't really that guy. So how many route concepts can you run where someone other than Stefan Diggs is your first primary target? Anybody? Euler? (laughs) So for me, just not having Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis not being that guy because he's somebody you want to come back to. He's someone you want to be a secondary tertiary target on a play because He's not going to uncover quickly in the route. So while you're making your first read, the reads have to line up with the route depth. You have to tie these things together where your first read is not going to be something that's 15 yards down the field. That's just not going to happen super often. And so when you look at the Bills passing game and how you can try and make it layered, you look at it and go, you didn't really have another person 
a sign from Stefan Diggs who can win early in your routes, who you can say, okay, we can draw a play up for this guy. Now you do. And it's Dalton Kincaid. You can have Dalton Kincaid uncover quickly. You can have him have the shorter routes. You can have a back and forth between Stefan Diggs being your primary target on one play and Dalton Kincaid being your primary target on the next one. So for me, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see Dalton Kincaid used that way. That's the method by which he should be used. He should be used to supplement the passing game in the short areas and be able to oscillate with Stefan Diggs, where if you want to have Stefan Diggs run a shorter route and have Dalton Kincaid take a route down the seam, you can do that. If you want to alternate that, you can do that. It's very similar to, I know we've been talking about Swole Beasley as a joke for Dalton Kincaid, but it's not that they're the similar player. It's that they fill a similar need for you. And that need is, do we have somebody who can uncover quickly? Do we have somebody who can be a primary target on at least a few passing plays? You have glance routes with Cole Beasley that are completely taken off the menu. You know, the RPO game that was such a big part of this passing offense in 2021 and 2020 and 2019. All of a sudden, it's just not part of it because you don't have someone you trust for those kind of routes. And now you do. So what I want to see is I want to see Dalton Kincaid fill that role where you can have him as a primary option on certain passing plays, and he can take some of the pressure off of Stephon Diggs. And so those are the two things I want to see. Number one is philosophical, more play action. And number two is a little bit more technical. I want to see Dalton Kincaid in the role that will allow him to be a secondary target in this offense. Do you think the fan base is hyping up Dalton Kincaid too much, too early? Yes. As the next Travis Kelsey, yes. some are saying. Should we should we quell our expectations a little? Oh, yes to everything you just said. I okay. like Dalton Kincaid. I'm a big fan. Stop comparing people to one of the greatest players in their position of all time, please. Just, <laughs> right. just please. Just I beg of you. We did this with Ed Oliver and Aaron Donald. And I it's like you got to learn at some point, right? And I'm I am very happy with the the Dalton Kincaid theory with the idea of what it is that he could be for this passing offense. I, I believe in it. I really do. I believe in that concept of theory of what he could be. But what you got to understand is that if he fills the Cole Beasley role, like even in an ideal world where every target that previously went to Cole Beasley is now going to Dalton Kincaid, okay? Which is, in my opinion, best case scenario. That's still not Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a number one receiver. He just happens to be a tight end. The dude has 1,300 yards a season. Please, can we not do this? Like, can we (laughs) not do this thing where Dalton Kincaid becomes, like, arguably the greatest receiving tight end in the history of football? Like, let's just maybe shoot a little lower, right? Maybe, let's be honest, if he's... If he's Mark Andrews, we're all going to be thrilled. Oh yeah. I made a I made a Dallas Clark and a Todd Todd Heap question. I was like, hey, what, what do we feel about Dallas Clark? What do we feel about about Todd Heap? And people were like, no, that's ridiculous. And I was like, do you remember Todd Heap? Todd Heap was a good player. Why are we pat? Why are we poo pooing on Todd Heap? And it's because we want him to be Travis Kelsey. And if you need him to be that good in order for this to be a success, you are setting yourself up for a ton of disappointment. Even if he's Cole Beasley, like identically. Right. Even if the production is exactly the same, Cole Beasley barely cracked a thousand yards, which is still amazing. Right. Amazing for a secondary receiver. Awesome. Amazing. 
you would still be 30% off Travis Kelsey. So yes, we need to slow our roll if that's what we're doing. Well, I think that's just Bill's fans mentality of like, we see a guy who consistently destroys us. And as Travis Kelsey has, as Wes Welker did for so long, and we want to find that guy for us. Who is that guy for us? Gronk killed us for so long. Who is that guy for us? So I think they're quick to anoint Bill's fans are the closest comparison on an opposition team. So now the one thing that we always say uh, on this podcast, while I like all these picks on paper and them coming in from a player perspective, I don't know if I trust Ken Dorsey enough to utilize these guys correctly. So Bruce, do you think that's a warranted mindset or do you think Ken Dorsey can be a very good offensive coordinator in this league with the weapons he has? He should be. I mean, they kind of correlate, but can Ken Dorsey schematically be creative enough? Can he expose weaknesses on the opposition defense enough on a consistent basis? I trust the players. Should I trust Ken Dorsey? I think the answer to both your statements is yes. Number one, I think it's very fair to have some consternation about Ken Dorsey's usage. Absolutely it is. Despite what the result was last year, there were times when the offense hit lulls in efficiency, and we can make an argument that Ken Dorsey was a part of that. So it's 100% reasonable. And don't let anybody shout you down if you have concerns about Ken Dorsey's utilization of the talent on this offense, because that's a real thing. But at the same time, the next question was, can he be a good offensive coordinator? And the answer to that question is yes, he can be. Will he be? No idea. But he was still a rookie. I mean, he's still first time ever calling plays ever. One of the things that we don't talk about enough is that Brian Dable came to the Buffalo Bills with an unbelievable amount of offensive play calling experience, like just buckets and buckets and buckets of experience. In fact, that was one of the knocks on him coming in was well, Brian Dable, you know, he's been around the offensive coordinator block for a long time, and he's never coordinated a top passing offense. And then you say, okay, well, show me his quarterbacks. And you go, oh, Matt Castle was the best guy he had? Oh, okay. Legend, well, Matt Castle. <laughs> may, yeah, maybe, you know, Bill's starting quarterback, Matt Castle. That's right. Because he got the start over Tyrod Taylor. That was a... It's a Terrible, terrible, horrible greatest, NFL rule. Greatest win percentage of any Bills quarterback ever, right? One and oh. Yeah. Tony, right? Just a, <laughs> another wonderful example of Makes why we turn a quarterback stat. But <laughs> always he, turning it back to the agenda. There's never a bad time to preach the gospel, my <laughs> friends. Never a bad time. But yeah, he can be a good offensive coordinator. He was a rookie, right? So he, he absolutely can be. And I think that Josh Allen has faith in him. I think Sean McDermott has faith in him. And one of the things I think we're not talking about quite as much this year is. Sean McDermott's going to be calling the defense. If there was oversight over Ken Dorsey last year, there may be less of it this year because Sean McDermott's going to be preoccupied with calling the defense, which means when the offense is on the field, Sean McDermott's going to have his back to the offense because he's been working with the defense on adjustments you make drive to drive. And I feel like we're not talking about that. We probably should be because if there was Sean McDermott oversight, whether you believe that was a good thing or a bad thing, if there was Sean McDermott oversight into the offense last year, there will likely be less of it now. So you gave Ken Dorsey the piece that he needed, which was Dalton Kincaid, to do the things that we mentioned earlier in the open, which was unlock that short and intermediate part of the field, give a secondary primary option, which, yes, I know I just said secondary primary, but you get it. Give an additional <laughs> primary option. Right. And so you've given him what he needs, and then you essentially threw him in the deep end this year because Sean McDermott's not going to be around to babysit. 
he's going to be working on defensive coordinator stuff. So there's going to be a lot of heavy delegation to Ken Dorsey, which means if Ken Dorsey is successful this year, it's going to be on Ken Dorsey's merits because he's got everything he wants. One of the things coaches are always talking about is, listen, if I'm going to be cooking the meal, you know, let me have a say in the groceries. If you're Ken Dorsey, you can't really complain about the groceries. You got the running backs you wanted. You got an upgraded offensive. You got a tight end. You got weapons. You have Josh freaking alien Allen. Like, I don't really want to hear a lot of excuses this year. Last year, I understand you didn't have that additional primary weapon. You didn't have a year under your belt calling plays. I think the excuses for Ken Dorsey are less this year than they would be. So, yes, I think it's fair to have consternation. I think it's fair to have distrust, quite frankly. But that doesn't mean he also cannot be a good one. I think that with anything, there comes sample size. Sample size becomes important in everything in life. And I think one year is probably not enough sample size. So two years, given the fact that you've kind of isolated the variable with Ken Dorsey, that might be enough. And Tony, you know what that means. Less oversight on Ken Dorsey, more of a chance for Joe Brady to corrupt from the inside. Oh, I thought you were going to say more opportunities for him to act like a psychopath that he likes oh. to think he's not too much of one. More tablets Which, yes, to throw. You're right. More to, <laughs> yes. But yes, of course, Joe Brady. Bruce, we have a know. theory that Joe Brady is uh, uh, corrupting from, from the inside. He's a, he's, a mole he's a mole on the inside, ready to take the offensive coordinator job. I see. I see. Well, yeah, Brady, you know, the funny thing about Brady is that the, one of the criticisms of Brady in Carolina was that he, he didn't have quite his empty set stuff figured out. And one of the hilarious things is I was just, I was just, looking on Twitter not too long ago, a couple hours ago or something like that. And uh, Derek Classen is doing a, a study. He uh, does work for Reception Perception. And he was doing a, a, some work on the Bills offense. And he was notating the same thing that Bills fans already knew because he's, of course, getting back to the tape, which is that anytime the Bills are in, okay, we need a bucket, like we need to go get a bucket, they just go empty and say, Josh, yeah, I'll figure it out, right? Which is actually a Brady influence, I think, which is kind of funny, but... If he's corrupting, he's he's doing a heck of a job of it. <laughs> I want someone who fails at corrupting. That's the ideal. Um, <laughs> through, I also think that, you know, in all the comparisons that you make between our lives and experiences that we're having from Dable to Dorsey, I think that we're also, you know, forgetting how frustrated most Bills fans were in the early days of Brian Dable in there and his play calling. And even, you know, like I remember talking heads after his first game being like, I don't understand what he was trying to do and what he was trying to accomplish so i don't know that's that's kind of what i tell myself as i try to find solace in any frustration that i might have towards uh what ken dorsey is doing out there and and giving him an opportunity to grow but i think in the growth that you were talking about like especially with rpos and play action and everything like that kind of comes i think there's still an element of how the running game has to develop and play into the way the offense goes. So do we think the running back room has what it takes or what do you make of the running back room and their ability to, to do that, to create that balance in the offense that's going to allow for some effective play actions. Do you think that uh, Damian Harris is going to be enough at the edge? Do you think cook will has, has grown enough to do that? What are your thoughts? I was hashtag team do nothing at running back oh. this off season. And when I say do nothing, that's that's a that's a Bruceism. Team do nothing means literally expend no meaningful resources on the position at all. None. I don't want a third round pick. I don't want a fourth round pick. I don't want a sixth round pick. Give me undrafted free agents and base minimum vets. And that's what I got. So I'm very, very pleased with the Buffalo Bills running back room. I think Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, James Cook, Naheem Hines is a good running back room. I am completely good with it. And most importantly, they're not spending a lot of money on it because when you have cap constraints, 
the last place I would like to be spending meaningful money is on running back. So for me, when I look at the Buffalo Bills running back room, I'm completely cool with it. And I think that the additions that you made outside the running back room are more important to the running game than any additions you would make inside the running game room. Because one of the things that I think is not talked about the way it should be is that the number one correlation between rushing success and rushing attempts isn't running back talent. It's number of people in the box. That's the number one correlation between I'm okay. I'm going to run this ball. How successful do we think it's going to be? It's based primarily the number one thing that correlates with rushing success is how many bodies are in the box. That's it. So does that mean more bodies in the box means more success running the opposite, more bodies in the box means less success. I love that. So that's, a the, Chan, that's a Chan Galley mentality. Right. It's a Chan Galley mentality. Five the number wide. one thing you can do to help your running Run game the ball. is have less people in the box, have fewer human beings. Beautiful. There. Love it. Now, <laughs> if you are going to have be- beings in the box, then the second best thing you can do is have size mismatches. And that's the second thing that I think helps. For example, Dalton Kincaid is not a great blocker. Dalton Kincaid blocking a nickel corner is a very good blocker. That's the difference. So if you if we roll out 12 personnel as Buffalo offense and you want to play with a player who can actually cover Dalton Kincaid, then you need a nickel corner or a safety. And when you bring a nickel corner or safety down, all of a sudden now you look really good in the run game because now you don't necessarily have a numbers advantage. You have a size advantage. So now it becomes none of this stuff I mentioned has anything to do with running back talent at all, because the truth is that running backs are the most dependent position in football. Because your success has mostly to do with things completely outside your control. How does the line block? How many people are in the box? Those are the things that matter. Just find a body who can hit a hole. That's it. Just find a body who can hit a hole. If he can run fast once he hit the hole, that'd be awesome. So that's a nice little, you know, bonus on top of that. But so much of rusting success is about things that aren't running back talent. So I'm completely cool. With the Buffalo Bills, I think all of them are completely competent runners. I think Latavius Murray still has juice left in the tank. I think Damian Harris is a good runner downhill. I think James Cook is perfectly good. I'm happy with Naheem Hines as kind of a gadget man, return guy, passing game back. Hopefully you can get him more involved in the passing game moving forward. Completely fine with that because it was never going to be about them anyway. It was going to be about all those other factors we talked about that impact rushing that have nothing to do with how good my running back is. So you mentioned Latavius Murray. Do you think, or what do you think are the chances? Do you think he's a lock to make the team? No, I don't think he's a lock to make the team, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills rolled five running back. Now, I think he might be an inactive, right? But mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if it was five running backs. Uh, I'm counting Gilliam as a running back here for purposes of a fullback. I would not be shocked. When I did my initial 53-man roster projection, I didn't have him on there, but just because he was a practice squad player last year, and he sat around the practice squad for the Saints before the Broncos signed him off. But I think he showed enough last year that maybe they don't feel comfortable trying to get him back there this year. So, but then again, he was available in May to sign. So you have all these conflicting pieces of information. So I would not be shocked at all if the Bills kept five on their active and made four active on game day. I wonder who the fifth one was. I was like, what was I didn't know. It really threw me off off a little bit. (laughs) Huge Reggie Gilliam stands over here. Um, so outside of running back, what position battles are intriguing you the most? I mean, it seems like running back isn't really intriguing you that much, but when we're going into camp and we're thinking about that 53 man projection, what, what are the position battles that intrigue you the most that you're keeping an eye on? 
wide receiver three is something I I, I want to know. Mm-hmm. I want to see Deontay Hardy. I think that'll be really interesting. I think we we kind of forgot about Deontay Hardy because of Dalton Kincaid. Because Dalton Kincaid essentially becomes wide receiver two slash three for this team. And then we're like, oh, yeah, Deontay Hardy. You know, he, he was a thing. So I think Deontay Hardy is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I like to see Shorter and Sherfield as far as special teams go and see how that goes. Defensive tackle is an area I'm really interested in because historically, overwhelmingly, the Buffalo Bills four. Now, they've they've had an opening roster that has had five a couple times, but they never end the season with five. So defensive tackle is very interesting to me because of Puna Ford. It's a Oliver, Puna Ford, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones. That's five. And if Settle hadn't just restructured his situation, I think I would assume that he would be the odd man out. But it's really not great financially to cut Tim Settle. So all of a sudden you have five players you'd like to keep. And historically, more often than not, the Bills have four. Now, does the experience they had with Daquan Jones last year in the Cincinnati game, does that change? And they actually roll with five now? So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. And obviously middle linebacker. Everyone's keeping an eye on middle linebacker. We've been talking about middle linebacker nonstop for two months. So for me, those are the places I'm looking. Wide receiver, defensive tackle, middle linebacker. So you sort of alluded to it, but with two of those positions. So you think your your leader in the clubhouse, at least in your mind, you think is Hardy is going to be in the slot. I do. Am I interpreting that correctly? Who's your leader in the clubhouse that you're penciling in in probability for middle linebacker? I think it's Terrell Bernard. I know that wow. Brandon Bean. I know that Brandon Bean said Tyrell Dodson, but I think he defaulted to that because of the experience level. And he even said, "Yeah, he'd be the leader in the clubhouse because of the experience level." I think that they're going to give him every opportunity, and Bernard being that, I think they're going to give Bernard every single opportunity to lose that job. And I think that Bernard might have to lose it in order to actually lose it. Like I think he has to actively lose it. I mean. He was a third round pick from last year. He's been in the system, comes highly recommended from Sean McDermott's close friend, Dave Aranda. I I think that with some potential changes to the defensive scheme, I right now, if you held a gun to my head and made me tell you, I would guess that it's Terrell Bernard. Yeah, I think historically we've seen how much they value um, giving their draft picks a chance. Uh a la, you know, this is like a Nathan Peterman situation. If they're a draft pick, like they get their opportunity. So I, I could definitely see Terrell Bernard, Bernard getting in there to uh, getting in there and getting just kind of like forced and wedged in there. Even maybe if he might be to us fans appearing like a little bit more of a disappointment. But I kind of I kind of agree with you. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say he's the Liam Close, but I think I agree with you that like he's getting a shot for sure. So you mentioned like with these potential schemes getting changed and a lot of changes happening on the defense. What do you look at uh, with the change in defensive philosophy? What are you, what are you looking for in terms of Leslie Frazier out McDermott in? How was that going to look different? How is that going to change Edmonds out question mark in? How is that going to change things? How, what for, what do we need to do uh, for success on defense and, and to grow this defense into a different kind of, you know, maybe less stagnant sort of defense. What, what do you think? I think you're going to see a differential in fronts, and I think you're going to see it because you have to. One of the things we saw under Leslie Frazier is that we saw the middle linebacker responsible for multiple gaps. And we talked about this a lot with the addition of Daquan Jones, how it changes the math for people up front when you have a one tech who can two gap. One of the things I think is interesting is if you put a player like Puna Ford 
next to Daquan Jones, you now have two players on the field simultaneously who you could theoretically ask to two gap. I'm not saying it's Pat Williams and Sam Adams. I'm saying that the structure is similar. Obviously, they're not that level of players. Those two players are, are unbelievable levels of players. Now, Daquan Jones is very good last year, but it's a stretch to say that Pat Williams and Sam Adams is Puna Ford and Daquan Jones. But from a structural standpoint, from a math standpoint, you could theoretically ask both of them to two gap, which changes the way that you would interpret having a linebacker like Terrell Bernard, because you don't really want to ask Terrell Bernard to do two gapping. You asked a lot of that from Tremaine Edmonds. You asked a little bit less of it last year, which is one of the reasons why he had a better year is because you were asking him to do that less frequently because of the presence of Daquan Jones. But now you just added Puna Ford, which means you could theoretically line both of them out next to each other and not ask Terrell Bernard to do really any meaningful two-gapping, which allows him to do things that you have historically assigned a middle linebacker to do, right? Middle linebackers, when you think about a mic, you think about a couple things. Number one, you think about ability to stack and shed, which you don't have to do as often if you have two defensive tackles in front of you who are two-gapping. You think about the ability to read defenses very quickly that are running at you. You think of things like being able to quickly diagnose all the mess that an offense throws at you. If you're a Mike, they're constantly throwing crap at you as an offense, trying to get your eyes out in the wrong place, trying to get your feet in the wrong place, trying to make you take false steps, things like that. If you have two defensive tackles in front of you and they're both two-gapping, that really limits a lot of the stuff that makes a Mike a Mike, which means you can have a Mike play a little bit more like a Will. And so it's a little bit like, do you guys remember an American tale? The cartoon, Fievel? the movie, yeah. Fievel. You remember this? Yeah, of course. Of course. You I don't know Fievel? what you're talking about. Do you remember Fievel goes <laughs> Tony, west? you never saw Fievel as a kid? These are foreign words to me. What are you? I don't oh know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. Matt, just me and you here, man. We're Bruce, just, Bruce, it. Okay, just right you now. and me. Let's, let's, yeah. let's riff on some Fievel here. Do you remember Fievel goes west? I do. Okay. One of the lines from the beginning of Fievel goes west when... The, the cat is talking to the other cat. The female cat's talking to the male cat who's voiced by Dom DeLuise. And she goes, I guess I just want a cat who's more like a dog. That's what she says. Just like that, right? If you just want a will, a mic who's more like a will, you have the ability to do it now. Because not only do you have the, you have the personalities up front, the personnel to do it, you also have a, a defensive coordinator who's probably more adept to actually disguise his fronts a little bit to try and keep people off of his mic if perhaps your mic was a little bit more like a will. So that's one of the things I'm looking at when it comes to defensive philosophy. I think Sean McDermott's a little bit more aggressive, and I don't necessarily mean that when I say blitz. Everyone, you say the word blitz, everyone assumes you mean, everyone says you, you say aggressive, you think they mean blitz. That's what it is. And I don't know why. I think it's because we don't understand how defense works. Like we're just so focused on offense that when I say aggressive on offense, you think throw the ball down the field. Like a dot. And when I say aggressive on defense, you mean blitz. Like I'm like, bro, like that's that's not how football works. And I think that you're going to see a little bit more variance from Sean McDermott, almost out of necessity, but also because he has bodies at defensive tackle to be able to do it. Interesting you say it, Bruce. Like I'm, I'm going to throw another five quote at you uh, in regards to Terrell Bernard. And it's the quote, it's too tough, kid. Get out while you still can. Because I don't want to Bernard anywhere in the starting lineup. <laughs> I, I just I haven't seen anything from what I've seen in college to the, the brief time we saw him in a Bills uniform last year that makes me feel comfortable with him getting significant amount of snaps. I am of the mindset, and this might be 
a hot take that a guy like Bale Inspector has a better track to being in the starting middle linebacker or starting in that two linebacker set than Terrell Bernard does. And I think the same, what you said, they're going to give every opportunity to Bernard. And I absolutely agree with you. I think it's kind of like going to be a Lord of the Fly situation where they're going to give every opportunity to Dorian Williams as well. And it's defensive tackle as well. Survival of the fittest. None of these guys on the defensive tackle or at the defensive tackle position are contracted past this year. So is Brandon Bean just saying, you guys go out there on your contract year, play your guts out because most players perform at their best in their contract year to, to earn that next contract or paycheck. And, and, and we'll see who who comes out, what, what cream rises to the top. Is that kind of what, what you think is happening in the front office in terms of this defense is just we're going to throw all the darts and we're going to see which ones stick and then which ones kind of don't get in the hole on the dartboard and fall off. I think it might be one of those scenarios where, you know, we invested a third round pick and then we invested a seventh round pick and we invested two draft picks in linebackers last year. Listen, you make it work guys. Like this could be a conversation that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have. I spent two draft picks last year on linebackers and you're telling me that we lost Tremaine Edmonds and neither of them you're cool with playing like at all. Then why did we spend meaningful capital on them? Make it work. If you want me to throw another third round pick your way, get another linebacker, I'll do it, okay? But I'm not going to trade up and get Jack Campbell in the first. I'm not going to take Drew Sanders in the second. Like, we're not going to do that. We spent a third and a seventh last year. You're not comfortable with any of these players playing? Figure it out. Like, I mean, I can imagine a world where that was the conversation. From an asset expenditure standpoint, look at what they did with running back. They spent a third on Zach Moss, third on Devin Singletary, then a second on James Cook. And then you wanted them to come back and spend another second or a third or God forbid, a first this year on another running back. Like I understand sunk costs, but we don't even know that the sunk cost fallacy even applies here because none of them have played. So I don't think this is sunk cost fallacy because you don't even know if they're any good. We saw a little bit, a, a little bit of Terrell Bernard last year, but that was just a little bit. It wasn't good. Like you said, samples, we talk about sample size all the time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write the kid off completely. Now, I wasn't a huge Terrell Bernard fan coming out. I, I was not a Dorian Williams guy coming out. I was I was not a Dorian Williams guy. I, I, have, I have a tweet in here from, goodness, I think February. And it was like, here's a linebacker I'm higher on the consensus, Cam Lewis. Like, here's a, a, a linebacker that I'm lo- lower on the consensus, Dorian Williams. And then they drafted Dorian Williams. I was like, well, I can't take it back now just because he's a bill. Like, right. I'm not going to be intellectually dishonest. So, no, of course not. I think that there's an opportunity here where it may not be we're throwing at a wall and see what sticks. It might just be, listen, we've expended enough with zero information now. We have no information on any of these expenditures. Figure it out. If it doesn't work, we'll, we'll, we'll go buy a nice linebacker next offseason. Sound good? It's a, you know what? My wife is a huge book book nut. Okay? She loves to read. Hey, hey, Bruce, can, I, um, can, can we go get some more books? Okay, I'll tell you what. Read a few of the books you have, and then we'll go buy more books. It's the same conversation, right? Let's use some of the linebackers you've got. And then if you don't like them, we'll go get you more linebackers next time. Are you surprised they didn't invest offseason dollars into the linebacker position? I always go back to, you know, there was Drew Tranquil or Levante Day or whoever was out there. And a guy like Drew Tranquil, for example, signs a fairly minimum size deal at $5 million, one-year deal with the Chiefs. And my mindset is if he's good enough for the Chiefs, why can't he be good enough for us when it is a position of need for us? Is I was. Is that the right I, mindset to take? Yeah, I, I, I was surprised by that. 
I, I was a little surprised. I thought that they would want now the longer there's a there's a tweet out there for me in mid-March where I said, I'm surprised AJ Klein isn't back because just so you know, AJ Klein's that guy. You want the veteran backstop guy who's done it before. AJ Klein's the guy. Yes. He, he's the guy. Now, Absolutely. he's not new, so we don't get all this excited about upside because Buffalo Bills fans are not different than other Bills than other fans across the NFL in this sense. They're Barney Stinson's. New is always better, right? New is always better. I, I can't I can't help but remember the, the couple of weeks where AJ Klein started a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, and everybody was all over AJ Klein's and they're like, oh, he can't possibly be worse. No. Anyone defense can. player of the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it can it can absolutely be worse than AJ Klein. AJ Klein's a perfectly reasonable right. linebacker. So I think they got that that stop gap. They just got one who's already worn the uniform. At the time, I was like, I'm surprised AJ Klein's not back in the uniform. And then they signed AJ Klein. I was like, okay, well, I'm no longer surprised. So I was a little bit surprised. But at the same time, if you're going to have a veteran stopgap player who's a fallback option in the event that Spectre, Bernard don't take the job, would you want that veteran to be someone who knows the defense? Or would you want that veteran to be somebody who doesn't know the defense? If you're going to have a safety right. net, is there a better linebacker safety net than AJ Klein? I'd say no at this point. <laughs> I mean, guy who knows the defense quite well, being yeah. here past two years. So uh, as an insurance policy, as a, as a stopgap, perfectly fine with me. I, I have no problems with AJ Klein other than if you do a Google search of AJ Klein, 80% of the pictures he's not smiling in. So I can't tell if he's ever excited. And I don't know if he's excited to be back with the Bills either. So <laughs> I would assume he is, but uh, I don't mind the signing. But Bruce, other big news coming out. Moving away from the players and the roster construction for a second, uh, schedule came out and just real quick, uh, everyone has a hot take or thoughts on and every matchup every week. What is the one game you are most looking forward to on the schedule this season? Week one, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. I think that Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback who has occasionally started off the season with a stinker. And I think that there's going to be a significant narrative about, well, the Bills lost to the Jets when they had Zach Wilson. Imagine what they'll do with Aaron Rodgers. And it's a great opportunity to just steal all of that hype, all of momentum, because if the Bills come out and just beat the snot out of the Jets week one, the way they did with the Rams week one in 2022, all of a sudden, after one week, the New York media and the national media will be like, was it a mistake? For the Jets to bring on Aaron Rodgers, find out in five minutes after a word from the sponsor. Like, that's what it's going to be. And I'll just be basking in it, quite frankly, because Aaron Rodgers is known as being somebody who get a little prickly. And if he's known as being somebody who's a little prickly and you turn up the heat really early, I'm good with it. So for me, week one, Jets, let's go. That's the one I'm, I, I have the exact same thought. If the Bills come out and do what they did to the Rams last year against the Jets this year, what is that New York media? How fast are they going to turn on Rodgers? How fast are they going to turn on on that front office? Like it, it's it would be amazing. Tony, what's the one match you matchup you're looking forward to this year? Oh, I also agree that it's week one. I'm being week one, and then I can go click through the rest of the season until the playoffs, uh, which I would only presume we're doing. Yes, like uh, yeah, exactly. Like I, I can sim the rest of it after week one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to week one. I'm looking forward to Rodgers confirming that he's that his better days are behind him. Right. I'm looking forward to all of that. Uh, it's almost weird because in some ways it's like, I don't even know if I'm rooting more for the Bills to be successful or the Jets to be unsuccessful in week one because I just want it the whole, I just want 
a green implosion to occur in New Jersey. That would be amazing. <laughs> Man, what's uh, yours? Anything else? Uh, my matchup, uh, I have to say home against the Patriots, just because, especially now the Patriots aren't good, because there were so many years for so long, so many heartbreaking, morally defeating defeats at the hands of Brady and Belichick and, and the drought years and whatnot. So uh, now that the Patriots aren't as good, it's always good to see the the flip side of, of what we experienced for so long happen at one Bills drive. So I always go home against the Patriots uh, with the mindset that we are going to win and beat the snot out of the Patriots at the time. So that, that's always a good feeling for me. So that that's my choice. Bruce, I'll, I'll swing it to you. It's week one. You're hyped up on Bills and Jets. You're enjoying all the football foods and the tailgate foods that come with uh, the return of NFL football. Bruce, what's your Mount Rushmore? Okay. Well, you really put me on the spot there. I think this is one of those things that you should have emailed me like two days ago, <laughs> given me enough time. I'm going to go with Mount Rushmore tailgate foods. Now, when you say tailgate foods, they have to be foods that you can eat in the parking lot and create and make in the parking lot? Or can I just say, like, I'm eating it at home kind of stuff? Parking, uh, I think parking lot, right, yeah, Tony? Yeah, I think it has to be parking lot. Yeah. It has to be. Okay. So this is going to be weird for me because I don't tailgate. I never have. I don't go to games. I don't do crowds. So I am speaking in hypotheticals at this point because I have literally <laughs> no experience to draw on because I don't tailgate. It just sounds like a lot of work. And there's a lot of it people <laughs> and I'm not really, yeah. not really, well, you know, like foot, football foods. I'm going to go with chicken wings, burgers, Philly cheesesteaks. And what do I do as a fourth? Something you can cook on a griddle. Something you can cook on a grill. Brats. Uh, That's brats. my fourth. Brats. Ron all, Swanson all would love that list. Yeah. yeah. It's a meat tornado of a Mount yeah. Rushmore. All <laughs> yeah, proteins. That, that, see, I, I want my protein with a side of protein. So instead yes. of getting fries, just get a second burger. I mean, let's be honest. Instead of surf and turf, Bruce gets turf and turf. Surf and turf. Surf and turf. Right? Just meat. I, you've made a mistake. You brought me the food my food eats. Exactly. So that's what, you know. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that's what I'm going with. I am a massive Philly cheesesteak fan. And so there's never a bad time for a Philly cheesesteak. And it, it's it's a really good griddle food. You you know, you roll out like a like a blackstone griddle and you you do it there. And you know, obviously wings are difficult to do on the grill so you'd need like a a smoker or not a lot of people grill wings but i absolutely have to say it because you know they're chicken wings amazing of course and so brats are really easy brats are so easy to do. and so everybody throws brats or hot dogs on there and hot dogs are inferior to brats so we're going with brats. <laughs> perfect uh and as listeners of your podcast no bruce you're you're a big food guy of course uh previously had your show with with nate geary on fridays yeah um, yeah food for thought so uh so if, if you would oblige for the last couple uh minutes here i i have uh, a couple of food hot takes for you and i just want to get okay. your quick thoughts like sure. 30 seconds or less thoughts Good. and i'm going to just rapid fire at you bruce you ready i'm ready all right my first food hot take every flavor of ramen tastes exactly the same oh no the worst the worst take <laughs> beef is the superior flavor. Everyone says chicken because they got hopped on it in college, like just an inordinate amount of ramen over the course of my life. Beef is the vastly superior flavor. And I'm ashamed of you. 
Well, this has been fun, Bruce. Last time you're on the show, I guess. So thank you. <laughs> uh, I just think every flavor tastes the same. Chicken, beef, shrimp, doesn't matter. It just all <laughs> tastes the same. I don't know. This tastes like salty <laughs> right. noodles, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's my palate. I don't have a, a defined palate. I don't know. Uh, no, all right, my too second. Refined. It's too refined. It's too it needs refined, to be dumber. Your palate needs to be dumber to appreciate the differences between beef and chicken. You clearly haven't had enough ramen. That's the issue, which is a good thing. So. You should be proud of how little ramen you've had that you can make the distinction between the flavors. I really let my college self down. Not enough ramen. Uh, all right. My second hot take. Plum is the most underrated fruit. Oh, that's a great take. Great take. Plum and peach are both very, very like underrated fruits. And we never talk about them at all. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm, I'm all the way in on this take, Matt. All the way in. Nobody talks about it. plum. I feel like because it's non-citrus, people like yes. forget that it exists. And yeah, yeah that's a gr absolutely great take. Great take. It's not exciting. It doesn't have the shape of a banana, obviously. It doesn't have the fuzz of a peach. It's just there in purple. And I feel like people just kind of bypass it in the grocery aisle. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Stop, also, stop at the plum, listeners. Stop at the plum. Yes, have a good 100%. Plum. Yes. My third and final one, sprinkles on ice cream is the biggest scam of the dessert industry. You finish the sprinkles in 10 seconds and all you're left with is plain vanilla, chocolate, whatever ice cream. Invent sprinkles inside the ice cream, ice cream companies. That's sprinkle the biggest scam of the dessert industry. Sprinkle infused ice cream. Yes. What are your thoughts, Bruce? So I agree with this. My wife is a huge sprinkles fan, massive sprinkles fan, just loves sprinkles on her ice cream. I can't get behind sprinkles mostly because they exist almost entirely to add texture to your ice cream. There's a texture differential that you're going for. And right. I wonder if you infuse it in the actual ice cream itself, would you lose the purpose of sprinkles? Because inevitably, if you put them inside the ice cream, you're not going to get the same level, level of texture differential because they won't, say, they won't stay crunchy over time. And so I do wonder if that just defeats the purpose of sprinkles. Because in my opinion, sprinkles don't have a ton of taste by themselves anyway. They exist primarily to add texture and color to ice cream. And so you get this like this kind of a birthday cake ice cream, right? And you can have a little bit of color and dash in there, but they're not really sprinkles. So sprinkles are 100% overrated because I can achieve the same thing, which is the texture differential, but also get a layer of flavor by using other things, by using nuts or by using candies or by using things like that. You can do, you can accomplish the same goal, but add another layer on top of it by using something else. So for me, sprinkles fill this weird thing where yes, they fulfill a role, but that role can be filled by other things better. So for me, I, I'm, I'm in on sprinkles being completely overrated. Love it. Love it. All wow. right, but we agree okay. on a couple. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go buy a bunch of variations of ramen to, to try to <laughs> see where you're coming from. Back to back to back. Uh, yes. Tony, okay. do, you have, do you have one right, final so one for Bruce? Sort of. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a combo one sort of. So, so Bruce, I know you don't know me. Like I'm from Buffalo, moved to Rochester about 10 years ago. Matt's still in Buffalo. There's potato related takes that the cities can learn from each other. And my, my hot take sort of is that the cities need to learn these lessons from one another. So going from Buffalo to Rochester, Buffalo, there's much more of an expectation that your fries at a restaurant, malt vinegar is an available option. And, and I wish I could find that here uh, because it's like impossible to get that. And they will look at you weird and not know what you're talking about. Uh, contrastly, when it comes to potato sides here, tater tots are almost as ubiquitous as French fries in almost every restaurant you can get 
tater tots in, instead of french fries or in lieu of french fries what's your mouth spud more We'll just do that. Okay. Mouse Fries, tater four tots, baked potatoes. Four different types of potato. Okay. Number one. Yeah. So let's go fried potatoes, baked potatoes. Like it. Um, Let's go with what is the potato where you cut it part of the way through? I, I, I'm drawing a blank. And then you fold it and top it. Goodness gracious. I'm losing my, I'm losing like my marbles right potato? now. No. It, yeah, that's it, what you, I think. Twice baked potato? It almost, it's almost a julienne. Mashed potatoes are overrated. The reason mashed okay. potatoes are overrated is because there's no texture differential at all. You're eating potato. You're a big pudding. texture guy. Well, I like to have differentials in my food. I like right? it. Homogeny yeah. is the is is absolutely boring, right? Homogeny is boring, and so anytime we're trying to prepare food, we should be trying to balance flavors and balance textures, and have interesting things happening in our mouth. And with mashed potatoes, there's nothing interesting going on. It's just potato pudding. That's it. That's all you got. I so like for it. me, I just, I just, I just can't get behind it. And I, I, I cannot find the method I'm referring to as far as cutting potatoes like that. It's driving me absolutely bonkers. I'm gonna find it. I Google, I googled folded potato, and it, it came up with potato <laughs> chips. So I, I no help yeah. here. <laughs> and so the fourth one for me is potato au gratin. By the way, so I have, oh, nice. I have fried potatoes, baked potatoes, the potato whose name I can't remember, and then au gratin potato. And that's the way that I'm I'm gonna have it. So when you say fried potatoes, do you mean like like how is the potato cut before it is fried? You are cutting it in sections, like you were literally slicing it like you would slice a carrot or something, and you're throwing it in okay. a skillet and, and frying it down. Okay, point. yes, I oh. do like that. Uh huh. Oh, that is maybe, good. maybe yeah. I, you know what? I hold like on, I'll bet you I can get a wife on that. I'll, I'll, you, you want to see if we can get Mrs. Nolan live here to see if we can help her figure oh, it out? Oh wow. This would be a, a huge a special moment. guest. That'd this. be yes. This is a huge moment. Can I borrow you for a second? We'll see if she can remember. If she, okay. You know, if she can remember, we'll we'll figure it out. This okay. The I think it just came to me. By the way, if you have a potato and you slice it partly of the way through, so you're kind of creating like this accordion thing. I think I just you think it just came to me now. It's called a Hasselback potato. Yes, we have confirmation. It's a Hasselback uh, potato. Thank that you, is Mrs. the method Nolan. by which Mrs. Nolan confirms Hasselbeck potatoes are third on the Mount Rushmore list. Which- like it, a Matt or wow. Tim Hasselbeck potato. Perfect. I was just going to say, what's the Hasselbeck <laughs> Mount Rushmore? <laughs> Matt, Tim, potato. The potatoes are above the two of them, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all day, every day. <laughs> uh, Bruce, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh dealing with our nonsense and our wittiness and and being a a return guest on this show. Uh, Before we part ways and and say our goodbyes, uh, where can our listeners who I guarantee are following you and listening to you as, as we, as Tony and I do, uh, where can they find you if they're not following you or listening to you? Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It is an honor that I get to be part of this community and that I have people like you who not only listen to my show, but then after you just listen to my show, you decide you you still want to talk, which is even crazier. So thank you so much for having me. If any of your followers or listeners are listening and you want somehow more of this guy, I, I don't know why you'd want that. But if you do and you're a glutton for punishment, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. My show, The Bruce Exclusive, drops every Thursday morning on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Perfect. And Bruce, it, it, just from us to you, if you need any help from us, in obtaining that crumble cookie sponsorship for your show, let us know if we need to. Thank you. Do I really a, appreciate that. I've been, a so I've cookie been eating that marathon. And we won't stop until they agree to a sponsorship. We will do that for you. Thank you. It's nice to have you in my corner. Solidarity you, forever. Always. 
Solidarity, especially when it comes to cookies. We we have to. Yeah. Cookie solidarity, yeah, solidarity is the best yeah. kind of solidarity. Cookie solidarity. Absolutely. Yeah. Bruce, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we we love having you on and we appreciate the time and, and your insightful knowledge and and, and takes on, on the bills and, and food, of course. So, uh, Bruce, thank you again. And uh, pleasure as always. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bruce. Good night, Bruce. That sound you hear? That's the sound of opening up a refreshing cold one on a hot summer day. And you know what's keeping my drink cold, listeners? A quality koozie from Traveling Growler. Follow them on Instagram and check out www.travelinggrowler.com for all their cool designs. Keep the chill in your fill and travel in style with Traveling Growler. Now back to the show. And we are back. Once again, a big thank you to Bruce Nolan. As I mentioned, if you're following us, you're most likely following him. And if you're not, please do. At Bruce Exclusive, the Bruce Exclusive podcast on Buffalo Rumblings every single week. One of the best content creators out there. One of the best podcasts out there. One of my favorite podcasts. One of our favorite podcasts, I'd say, Tony. Uh, Bruce, always insightful, always knowledgeable, and really gets our pop culture references, which uh, I greatly appreciate. Uh, Thank you again to Bruce. Tony, as we wrap up the episode, we've done a lot of talking bills, you know, a lot of talking food. So I'm a little full. So let's digest and wrap this up and give our listeners before we say our goodbyes, one parting gift for them to take into the weekend and in the following week here, non sports related thing, whether it's a book, whether it's an activity, whether it's a movie show, whatever that you recommend to the listeners, Tony, please do the honors. I have to say, so I hope I'm not getting too mainstream with this because I think what I'm about to recommend has gained popularity greatly as of late. And it certainly has been getting pushed enough as of late. Uh, But I got to tell you, like when I ran through jury duty, it was just some of the most fun I've had with a TV show in a long time. (laughs) I thought you meant real jury duty at the show. (laughs) No, I didn't recently have jury duty. duty. I really, I mean, I did recently have real life jury duty. That is true. So I let guess me tell you, I and love I, sitting in that room for five hours. I do like jury duty. I, I mean, I, I get, I get excited when I get a jury duty summons. So I, I do get that. But uh, tell us about the show. Jury duty it is a great show. Are you, fam- are you familiar with it? Of course yeah, I yeah. am. James, James yeah. Marston. Oh yeah. Did I tell you about it? Yeah. And then I watched it. It's fantastic. Okay, I'm, in, yeah, the, okay. I'm so, in the process of watching it. I've only watched a few episodes, but it, it's very good. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's super funny. It comes from the some producers of, from The Office, and they are making a mockumentary, so, so to speak. But the difference is one of the people in the show who's serving jury duty believes it to be a documentary, thinks it's all real. But everyone who is surrounding him are actors, and they are improv actors that you know. Or you can recognize. So, for example, the creepy sanitation department head from Parks and Rec is one of the jury duty people. And our hero did not recognize him. Um, there's a few other people they see. Also serving on this jury duty is James Marsden playing himself uh, <laughs> as, as a carrier of the show. But it's the show is really designed surrounding um, surrounding our hero, who is believes himself to really be ser- serving jury duty and they're putting him in all these hilarious situations and uh you know antics ensue and it's super it's super funny it's so much fun to watch they really made it great like in terms of casting the 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 truman because it's like truman show uh the truman right. that they found 
Like, I think they, they found an excellent person that really makes it all gel together. Uh, it's just super fun. It's a super fun show. It's a quick and it's a quick show. Uh, I couldn't stop watching it. And it really became like an obsession. Like I find myself on YouTube constantly watching uh, jury duty, like interviews now after the fact that it's over and like, he's found out about the truth and stuff. I'm just having a great time with it. And it's still on my mind. And if you haven't seen it, a lot of people have, but if you haven't seen it, you got to get on it. It's on freebie, uh, which is basically yeah. the free, the free stuff on Amazon prime. So get right. after it, get after your listeners. Yeah, definitely watch jury duty. It's it, so far for me, really good show. It, it kind of goes along with like, as you described it of these like, shows that present these fake scenarios but the people in this case a single person but the people involved think it's real kind of in the vein of nathan for you or the rehearsal i I think we're finding like our comedy styling genre to to fall in line yeah Yeah, like it's moving away from like the traditional sitcom talking about your mother office to these like Oh, let's just put real people in fake situations because it's hilarious. Yes, that's true. And that's that's having a moment, too, because that's so much of like the short form, like reels and TikToks and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Is, you know, that that sort of stuff. Yeah. Those viral moments, creating those viral moments. Absolutely. Uh, So great pick. Jury duty. Make sure you watch it. As Tony mentioned, free on freebie slash Amazon Prime. Tony, my parting gift for the listeners. This is a this is very um of the of the common man, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But I my choice, my recommendation, rechargeable batteries. Go out and get yourself some rechargeable batteries. <laughs> I've never had a good experience. Uh, what? Oh, I uh, I'll just say it right always, now. Oh. That's all I use now. Rechargeable batteries, especially if you have children and their toys run out of batteries very quickly because they leave them on or they're getting a lot of use and rechargeable batteries are a godsend and, and they save you money in, in the long run. You don't have to keep going out and buying batteries. And as everyone knows things are expensive these days. Just get some rechargeable batteries. You, you pop them in uh, the, the charging port and plug it in and they're recharged in like an hour and, and you're you're right back in the game. So rechargeable batteries are extremely useful. And that's my recommendation for the listeners. Go out and get some rechargeable batteries. What a recommendation. Yeah. It's a lifestyle it's a little off the choice, cuff. really. It really is. Yeah. It really is. You need to make the leap. It's it's tough to it's tough to to change old ways to break habits of using batteries that drain. But but it'll change your life, listeners. I promise. Trust me. Rechargeable batteries. Amazon has like the Amazon basics line. They're fairly cheap. It, it's it's a good investment. Tony, just like the investment of listening to this episode. But what do you say we wrap it up? Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, <laughs> Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Quality koozies starting at just $5. Awesome gift. Awesome for the summer. Keeping your drinks cold on those hot summer days. Shop local, support local, www.travelinggrowler.com. Where you can find the podcast, you can find the podcast anywhere you're finding podcasts or listen to for free. Spotify, iTunes, only on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Search Witty Not Funny, all one word. Search Built in Buffalo. You'll find us dropping every Sunday on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. If you like us, leave us a review, subscribe, like, whatever. 
to show us some love, please do. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. And we truly do mean that if you're a first time listener or a 126th time listener, thank you for taking this journey with us. Podcast store, teespring.com, teespring.com, search witty, not funny, all one word. Check out all the cool designs, Bill Sabres designs, Buffalo designs. We got something for everyone, all colors, all sizes, hoodies, t-shirts, tanks, crew necks, long sleeve. We got it all. Original designs, awesome designs, very non-costly because we're in it for you people we're in it for the listeners we do it for you we're not trying to make a a quick dollar we just want to give you fine quality products and designs so check out the t-shirt store podcast or whatever you want to call it teespring.com search way not funny all one word twitter handles tony are you permanently back on twitter now or still just kind of dabbling it's a it's an on and off relationship it's right an on now and off. Um, uh, when when you're on, where at can Tony Ambrose? You? When I'm on, you can find me at my name, which is at Tony Ambrose. Well, my name is Tony Ambrose, and you can find me at Tony Ambrose. It's confusing. Twitter's probably making it confusing. Yeah, because it's Twitter. You can find the podcast at Witty Sports Seven One Six on Twitter, Instagram, Witty Not Funny Sports, Facebook, TikTok. Go follow us. Hit that follow. We love following back. We love connecting with the Buffalo sports community out there. Show us some love. We'll show it right back to you. Hit that follow button at Witty Sports 716. Tony, send off for the listeners to, to take us home. What do you got? Well, I think you could guess because you alluded to it before what my send off has to be. It's got to be Go Amherst. Go Amherst. Oh, I thought you were going to say, who brought the pub mix? Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> if only. No, I'll give a little love. Like I, Sometimes I can give a go to something else that's not the Bills in my send-off, and this time the most appropriate choice in that is, in fact, the second oldest pro hockey franchise in, I think, in existence. Or maybe, I don't know what the stat is. It's the second oldest something, and the Hershey Bears are the oldest. But it's the Amherst. Who they're Go playing. Rochester Americans. Who they're yeah. playing, I think. Yeah. Is Go it, Rochester Americans. Yep. A big a big time for Buffalo's or West I should say Western New York's other teams. The Amherst, the Bandits are in the championship. Yeah. Like go yeah. support Buffalo's other teams, everyone, if you haven't. Yeah. Good. All in the New PSC York's other network. teams. Yes. Support the PSZ network. They they need the money. Absolutely they do. <laughs> they got uh no, I won't say that. No, don't say it. <laughs> and as I always say. Stay witty out there, everyone. Go Bills. Thanks for listening. Peace. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Moshon is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching you guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a problem. It builds a problem. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.